All right, everyone. Good morning slash good any time of the day that you're listening to this. Welcome to episode number 56. And today I'm going to be talking about commitment phobia and commitment phobes. So I probably have been messaged about this, like DM'd or it's been spoken about on the Facebook group a lot about people that are um, in a relationship with someone who has a commitment phobia. This is really, really, really common. I know people, a lot of people personally who either are the commitment phobe or are with someone with a commitment phobia. So I think it's quite a relevant topic because I would imagine that even if you yourself are not directly involved in this kind of situation, you probably have a relative or a friend who is. Um, So I think it's good to kind of talk about it, shed some light on it and understand what to do or how to kind of perceive it depending on which end of the stick you're on, whether you are the one with the commitment phobia or whether you are dating somebody with a commitment phobia. Okay, so that's what the episode's going to be about. Very excited. Just a quick wrap up of what I did this week. I was actually up on the Gold Coast for pretty much since Sunday till Friday. Um, and I was up there recording all this content for the Move With Us app. So anyone who's done um, anything over the last few years with Bodies by Rachel, they've rebranded as Move With Us. They've got this incredible new app and I am the mindset coach on the app and also the Pilates trainer. So I went up and we shot around like 30-something videos. It was intense. It was amazing. Um, and I was exhausted by the end. And it was actually quite an intense, hectic week because I was doing all the shooting during the day. And then in the evenings, I had like uni via Zoom. I had an assessment that was due, um, two assessment pieces that were due as well. And then obviously, I've got a lot of friends like Lucy and Nikki and that that live on the coast. So squeezing, um, you know, some social time in there as well. So it was very fun, very like jam-packed full of, you know, adventure and productivity. So that was great. That was my week. That was. Okay. Um, I'm kind of going to dive straight into this topic. And then if I have time at the end, I'll bring in like a brain fact. I just feel like this is quite, there's quite a lot that I want to get through in this topic. So we'll see how we go for time. Um, let's dive straight in. Okay. Firstly, I'm, so I'm going to be breaking it down into two kind of categories and focusing on one of these categories. So number one, the one that I'm going to be focusing on, is the kind of commitment phobia where the commitment phobe is in a serious relationship. It's a committed, most likely a monogamous relationship with another person, okay? That's what I'm going to be talking about. And those people that then have kind of this phobia to then take it to the next level, often these people will be in a relationship for years and years and years and years and years and they just won't, you know, be talking about marriage and talking about maybe taking it to the next level, maybe children or whatever. One thing that we've got to get clear though is if someone doesn't want marriage, that does not necessarily make them a commitment phobe, okay? It's something that has to be discussed early on. But if someone's saying, oh yeah, I want marriage and I want kids. Oh yeah, 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 I do. I want that stuff. But then they're never taking steps to get there and they're always kind of postponing it and always coming up with reasons and excuses and whatever. But also staying in the relationship and showing that they love you, that's more likely to be a commitment phobe. If someone says, I just outright do not want children, but I love you, that's not a commitment phobe. That's someone who has made a decision about their life, okay? Now, the other category, which I'm not going to spend much time talking about, is a commitment phobe who you have not entered a relationship with so say you are in love with somebody and you think that they're sending you all the right signals 
um, but they're not actually committing to, to, you know, starting the relationship with you, I wouldn't concern myself with that. If that's the case, just don't bother. Do not bother because there's a chance that they're just not that into you and you're, for the sake of your own mental health, you're labeling it as them being a commitment phobe. Or there's a chance that they actually are a commitment phobe, in which case I wouldn't bother entering that relationship if they're not even willing to commit to enter a relationship in the first place. You are wasting your time. So that second category, I'm not even going to bother talking about. Okay, now, with everything that I'm going to say, I'm going to try and continuously flip it between the two perspectives of if you are a commitment phobe and what you could be doing and if you are with someone who has a commitment phobia. One thing that everyone needs to understand is that it's always going to be much, much, much harder for the person who is with somebody with a commitment phobia because they're the ones that have zero control of the situation and they're being pulled. It's this push and pull, yo-yo, back and forth, back and forth all the time and they're kind of, without sounding too mean, their time is being wasted a lot of the time, okay? So no, no matter how much that person loves you, if you've got your idea of what you want in your life and you're with a commitment phobe, that commitment phobe at least can say, well, I'm taking it at my pace. Oh, slow down. Oh, speed it up. Oh, slow down. I'm taking it at my pace. The person who's dating them is like, wait a minute. I wanted kids five years ago. You told me you wanted kids. And now I'm still fucking sitting in this relationship and you're not taking it to the next level, but you're also you keep telling me that you do want kids at some point. So what's it going to be? So it's a lot more painful for that person because they don't know, should I continue to commit given the history we've had or should I pull the plug so I can actually have a chance at the life that I want? So it is, I don't care what anyone says, it's a lot worse when you are on the receiving end of the commitment phobia relationship. Now, commitment phobia happens across all genders. However, it is more common in men um, to express the, this commitment phobia. I actually think it is more common to see it in men. I think it might be even with men, women, with anybody, but I feel that women who are commitment phobes often have the additional pressure of you are a ticking clock, You your uterus defines um, how, you know, when you expire, quote-unquote, and so a lot of women feel this additional pressure that whether they like to or not, they're going to have to, quote, settle, unquote, um, with somebody. So even though they're like, oh, I really don't want to do this, I don't want to, you know, but they have like more of a time frame that they've got to stick by. And that's a whole nother podcast that I want to be talking about, this idea of like, oh, you know, you, you have to settle down at this age because you've got to have children at this age, which is fucking ridiculous. But anyway, I'm not even going to dive into that. But having said that, I think that's why it is more commonly seen in men because men have way more freedom um, as far as the narrative that we have been raised to, you know, you, you see it everywhere. You see it in the media. You see it everywhere. You know, if, if, if a man is in, is in his, you know, late 50s and has never had a child and um, never gotten married, but he's successful. You're like, oh, this successful silver fox. If the same happens to a woman, oh, the poor thing, she's barren, she never had a child, no, no, no matter how successful she was. Okay, so that um, that kind of plays into why I believe that um, you just don't see it that often in women. They're probably just kind of suffering in silence with this feeling. Now, let's differentiate, let's also like make something quite clear in your mind. If someone is just dating you and not really showing you like you're not really ever a priority they're quite consistent with how they treat you as in they never really put you first they never really want to plan anything for the future and it's a consistent thing I don't know if that's commitment phobia I would more likely categorize that as they are dating you for now and you're a good option for now 
but I'm waiting for something better to come along. That doesn't necessarily make that person a commitment phobe. And the reason I'm telling you this is because I don't want this podcast to be something that makes you think, oh, that poor person, they just have a commitment phobe. And then you blanket label people that are just not that into you that you're dating um, and think that there's something deeper there. You've got to understand, and I'm going to break down just in a moment, the difference between someone who's just not that into you and how they treat you versus a commitment phobe. So so it's a, it, if you look at it in a way, if you kind of feel like you're consistently second on the list or third or fourth, right? So there's this kind of underlying constant thing. A commitment phobe will show that they truly do love you through gestures of love, you know, where, where they really show that at times, many times often in their life, they are putting you first, okay? But the difference with a commitment phobe is that they are completely in control of the pace of the relationship. And what you'll notice with someone who has a commitment phobia is that the relationship will be going really well. Everything's great. They're treating you like exactly how you want to be treated. You're really thrilled. You're very in love. And almost when things are just going so well, all of a sudden they sabotage it. They start to pull away. They start to, you know, get really involved in their work and then they're just not putting you first at all. They're not spending time with you at all. They're going on benders. They're staying at, w- at work like obscene hours and not, you know, or they're just like hanging out with everyone else but you. Um, they're not committing to, you know, commitments that they made to you saying, oh, I'll be there. Actually, no, I pull away. I'll do actually, no, I won't do that. So they go from literally being the most incredible partner to a bit of a dud. And then it often takes you being like this, I'm, this is reaching the limit or someone else in the family or friendship circle pulling them up being like, what are you doing? Like, why are you treating your partner like this? For them to then pause and be like, okay, enough damage is done. I've kind of like evened out the playing field. And then when they realize that they might risk upsetting you too much or losing you for good, then they go back to being nice. That is a very, very typical trait of someone with a commitment phobia. You'll often see as well that in these relationships, they uh, they go for very long, very long relationships because there is there is a strong love there but it's just quite a dysfunctional way of showing love. So you'll be in love with someone who has the commitment phobia. You'll be with them for years and years and years, hoping that it will progress to the next level. Um, You might even be moving in together, whatever, but there's no kind of talk about, you know, kids or marriage. And mind you, I'm using kids and marriage as an example because that's kind of the common one that occurs in most families. Like I said earlier, that is not a necessary thing for a relationship to be solidified. You can have a very secure, very stable relationship without ever getting married or ever having children. What I'm referring to, the reason I'm going to use this as an example of children and marriage, and I'll continue to use those two as an example, is because that is the most common example in these cases. Um, And also, it's something that needs to be discussed. If you're both in agreement that that is what you both want, then that's when it becomes an issue where they're kind of dangling it in your face and pulling it away, dangling and pulling it away. That's what we're going to be talking about. Like I said, don't ever feel like, oh, they're a commitment phobe because they've said to you from the get-go, I don't want children and I don't want to be married, but I want to be with you. They're being honest. They're being open. That is not a commitment phobe. And then, then you have complete control. You can say, well, now I can decide if I want that life or not. I can stay or I can leave. But that's not them not wanting to commit. They're just being straight up, okay? That's the difference. Another thing that's really common is this breakup, get back together um, on several like occasions throughout your relationship. Um, often they'll push you so close to the edge in a relationship that you will eventually just 
leave them, you know. And the reason this is this is another big thing that you've got to be aware of. The reason you leave the commitment phobe is because you're thinking I want to really send a message. I want to really send a message because if you feel that you're going to lose me, then you'll come back and then you'll start treating me well. You're not leaving them because you think I'm fucking done. Bon voyage. Au revoir. Goodbye. That's not what you're doing. You're leaving them to send a message and they, to an extent, they know that. They know that you guys have, that when it's good, it's really good. And when it's bad, it's really bad. And they know that, they don't want to lose you at all, not at all. Um, if they did want to lose you, then they just don't want to be with you, obviously. But once you dump them or leave, like you could move out or you dump them or you say, don't call me, I'm blocking your number, that then is a cue to be like, okay, um, I've obviously like pulled the brakes a little bit too hard. This person has now left. Now I don't don't actually want to lose them. So now I'm going to be acting like the best partner ever. I'm going to be sending you gifts. I'm going to be cooking you dinner. I'm going to be acting like the partner that I know you want me to be because they know what you want. They know you well. They know exactly what your triggers are and they also know exactly what your wants and needs are to be happy. And this is not really a manipulation. Ta- they're not doing it out of malice. They're doing it because they, they always know what you want. And I'm going to be talking about later on why it is that people have these phobias in, in a moment. But right now I'm just discussing what it looks like. They know what you love. They know what you want. They know what it takes to be the perfect partner. They know what it takes for you to look at them and say, you are actually the perfect person for me. And that is why you go back and that is why you stay because there is enough there and they know you enough to behave that way. So if you leave, they do all these things and then you come back. The problem with that is that you have then given them a golden ticket into the workings of your mind and how you kind of treat the relationship because you've come, you've gone back every time. It's, it's literally just like a, a mathematical equation. That person leaves, I do X, Y, and Z behaviors. That person returns, we are good. Then I start to feel a little bit stressed because it's going too well. And I'll explain why they feel stressed in a little bit. Um, and so I need to pull the brakes and start, self, like start sabotaging the relationship. That person leaves. Repeat the behavior, repeat everything, and they come back. So now they know, wait a minute, three for five times you've come back. Uh, it's a no-brainer. I know exactly what I need to do. If I push it too far and you leave, I know what I need to do for you to come back because they know that when it's good, it's really good and they know that you are never really going to leave them. That's in, in that's like what they're telling themselves in their mind. They never really fear that you're going to leave them because when you leave, your intentions are never to leave. Your intentions are to send a message and they know that. They know that very well. So that is where it becomes a problem because – you yourself are not, you're just trying to scare them. You're not actually wanting to leave. And they know exactly what to do to bring you back because they know you very well. You've probably been doing this for years, okay? A commitment phobe will also rarely break up with you, okay? They will um, load the gun and then you're the one that has to pull the trigger. The reason for this is that they actually want to be with you, but they want to be with you completely on their terms as far as how intense is this relationship, how chilled is it, I want to have full control. It's quite selfish, really. It's it's in the sense of when you're in a relationship, you have to factor in the other person and they're not doing that. So it is selfish as far as the relationship is concerned. So if you're someone that has a commitment phobia, another thing that you have to realize is that don't wait 
for that person to fix you. Don't, and also don't think, oh, when the right person comes along, I'm not going to have this. That also won't happen at all because you've got to realize that when you have a legitimate commitment phobia, there's it's stemming from something deeper and it's not something that a partner can ever change in you. It is like a, an, an ingrained way of thinking about what a relationship represents in your life, okay? So your partner can never change that in you. What's going to happen? If you don't do the work on yourself, this is what's going to happen. You either stay with them for life and you do everything and this yo-yo pattern is going to happen until the day you die or that partner is eventually going to leave you because they just get sick of it and they want to start their life and they want to have these milestones that they just realize they're not going to have with you. So unless you do the work, nothing will change or they will probably leave you at some point or another. And then not only will they leave you, but they'll leave you so spiteful because they feel like they've wasted time because you you promised that you wanted these things and you never delivered. And then that person feels like quite resentful and upset that they did wait it out for you for so long. So you've got to understand that it's a, if you are in this situation, you either have to be willing to do the work on yourself and maybe potentially therapy or potentially really acknowledging your behaviors and working on it and doing a bit of background research on why it is that you're being the way you are. Or you've got to let them go if you're not willing to go to therapy, if you're not willing to change. And also nothing that other people say to you will change you. At best, when people try and, you know, when you, oh, we're going to have an intervention, we're going to sit this person down. I've heard that a million times, you know, oh, you know, they keep going back and forth, they keep treating me like whatever, the family sits them down, they have this big talk, what happens? The same fucking bullshit as as last year. They then become really good, they then start gifting you everything, showering you with this, showering you with love, I'm the perfect partner, I'm going to go with you to every event. How long is that going to last? About three months? At best? Two months? And then they're back to their, back to their old ways of sabotaging the relationship. An intervention, an external intervention does not work. At best, they might raise a flag, a red flag that makes you think, I need to go to therapy. But I can tell you right now, people sitting you down on a couch and saying, you've got to stop doing this because whatever, they will stop for a couple of months and then they'll go back to doing what they're doing. That is not enough. You have to want to change yourself. You cannot change anybody. You can't do it. You can inspire them to seek help at best but you can't change them. And if you're someone with a commitment phobe, don't think that the reason you're you're fearing commitment with this person that you know you love is because they're just not the right person. That's not the case either. Now, why do people do this? Why do they have this phobia? Where does it stem from? Now, when I talk about these things, you've got to realize that I'm talking about most cases and in general. There's always going to be outliers. There's always going to be situations where... Um, you know, they've had this textbookly perfect upbringing and then they're still, there's always going to be those cases, okay? So I'm not, everything that I talk about here is a generalization, uh, not a blanket rule, okay? So this is very, attachment theory plays in quite heavily to this. So if you're interested in the attachment theory, I do have a podcast on it and then you can kind of do a bit of research on it. But I recommend you listen to the podcast first Um, and then do your background research because I break down the difference between the actual attachment theory that is is 
um, discussed in neuroscience and psychiatry and psychology versus the pop culture version of attachment styles, okay? So there is a difference. Uh, if, if you really are interested in, in um, that, listen to the podcast first and it sort of will then steer you in the right direction of what to kind of search for online or whatever when it comes to attachment theory. Now, attachment theory plays into this big time. If you are someone who throughout your childhood you experienced some any sort of trauma, abandonment, abuse, loss, like death of a family member, um, that's, that's uh, going to really potentially play into how you then behave within your relationships in future. Everything that you experience as a child is more often than not going to form like every relationship that you experience as a child is going to form your working model, like your internal working model, your idea, your schema of what you then believe is true for your future relationships as a teenager, as an adult, well into you know your older years. So if you don't really address this and break it down and think, wait a minute, I'm behaving like this because this happened to me. I'm treating this person like this because I'm fearing this situation that occurred to me when I was a child. All these things kind of play in. So unless you you really crack it open and start doing the hard work, there's a chance that you will just continue to um, use that belief that you have for yourself and of the world that you created, you formed when you were a child and you'll carry that belief on for the rest of your life no matter what, no matter how well someone treats you, no matter how committed someone is to you, it doesn't matter. If you are not aware of these patterns, there's a big chance those patterns will never change. Okay, another thing is modeling behaviors of your parents. So even if you didn't experience abandonment, trauma, loss, none of that, if your parents were not really affectionate or if your parents were very fearful or if you were raised always being told, oh, don't trust anybody, don't, oh, don't, you know, you better be careful. In other words, they were raising you with this fearful mentality that it's like, you know, everyone's out to get you and you better watch your back, that idea, um, and you saw how your parents truly feared other relationships – you're then, there's a big chance that you will then model that behavior and repeat history down the next generation and then like pass that on to your children, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If a child is exposed to loss, abuse, abandonment, their idea of a relationship, they, they have learned that this, that relationships in general are something to be feared. I can't give too much of myself to this because the the risk of what could happen is too great. It's happened too often enough to know that that is more of a rule than an exception. This is what they're telling themselves, right? So I've been, you know, um, mistreated or abandoned or um, abused or not shown love that now I expect that my future relationships are going to be the same. And if I get into a good relationship, it's only a matter of time before this happens to me. That's the narrative that they're telling themselves. Now, I don't want you to look at this so you can be like, oh, poor darling, the person that I'm dating has, you know, all these like problems. I can fix them. No, you can't. No, you can't. You can't fix them. You can raise it with them and you can say, I suggest that you maybe go to therapy, maybe you start to like look at these patterns. That's all you can do, okay? But don't look at this as being like, uh, as, as this is like my, my project to fix that person because you, you actually can't do it. Even if you're a therapist, you can't do it because you would never go to therapy with someone that's too close to you. So you just can't do it. That is something that they have to do for themselves. All you can do is maybe bring it to their awareness. That's, that's the maximum 
because you can never change a person. They have to change themselves. And this is a big, big example of that. Because if you're, th- if you're looking at it, understanding that somebody is, it's a belief. A belief is something that comes, it's in your core. And to change a belief, it's a lot of work to change a belief. Okay, because that's one of the strongest things we have. They, they can be changed, but not easily. And definitely not by someone saying, you should think this way. That's, <laughs> that will absolutely not cut it. Look at it from like, look at someone who is religious. Imagine if you're saying, I'm going to change that person's beliefs. So I'm just going to say, maybe don't believe in that religion. They're not going to fucking change, are they? They're going to be like, yeah, righto, anyway, and continue on their merry way. So that's what I mean. That's, it's, it's, it's not that easy to change someone, no matter how much facts and whatever you lay out in front of them it has to come from within just like a religion they have to be able to see oh this is probably not for me this isn't working for me if they were to change religions or to or to enter a religion or whatever you know i'm talking we're talking about these big big belief systems that are like ingrained in our core so hopefully that analogy will help you realize how hard it actually is to get someone to change so now that we know where this phobia comes from in most cases, of their childhood and how they were brought up and their internal working model of um, what a relationship, what to expect from a relationship in general and what to expect from other people. Another thing that is very ingrained in them is that they, because they're fearful, ultimately it's a, it's a fear and they might not even register it as a fear, but they are avoiding feeling something that they don't want to feel and that is loss of either their own life, loss of the sense of self. A lot of people feel that they, if they get too involved in a relationship, they're going to lose who they are as an individual. Um, and because they've experienced probably some sort of loss or trauma or abandonment as a child, that it's too it's too much to lose for them. They're like, I could potentially lose who I am by by putting myself wholeheartedly into this relationship and then it could dissolve and then what am I left with? I'm fucked. That's their mentality. That's obviously not the truth. You're always going to be fine if a relationship breaks down. You always have yourself. But they don't see it that way. They kind of see it as I'm better off um, uh, preventing rather than curing. I'm better off preventing myself from getting too deep, from um, exposing myself and losing too much of myself in this relationship and becoming less of who I am as an individual because I've got way too much to lose if something breaks down or if I get abandoned or if I, I can't, you know, I can already see it coming around the corner that relationships ultimately are not a safe place for me. That's one of the common um, thought processes of someone with this, you know, inability to commit. Another thing that they might be feeling is that they just um, can't let go of control. They've just been raised to think that the only way they're going to get by in life is if they have full, 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 full autonomy of what it is that they're doing and they have to control everything. So it's weird though because they're thinking, I can't lose control. I can't lose control. This is the only way I can be. This is the only way I can survive. But they just cannot, obviously are unaware that they're doing the opposite to their partner. So I have to be in control. I have to protect myself. But you can get fucked because I'll just fuck around with you and I'll expect you to be close when I want you close and far away when I want you far away and I'm just fucking with your head. But as long as my head's fine, it's all good. That's kind of – they're not acknowledging that that's what they're doing, but that is kind of what they're doing. And I'm not trying to demonize these people, but you've got to realize that it is is selfish behavior because they're only thinking about themselves in this situation. And it is not fair. It's not fair because they're not idiots. They know what they're doing. 
but they still see it as the only possible option. They can't, they can't bring those walls down. They can't be fully vulnerable. They can't fathom giving all of themselves to the relationship because they think it makes them lose a part of themselves, which we all know if it's a healthy relationship, you don't lose a part of yourself. That only occurs in toxic relationships where you actually do lose a bit of your sense of self. But in a healthy relationship, that's not the case and you can still be very much an individual and very much involved in the relationship. And that often plays out if you were raised with a secure attachment where you feel that I am ultimately your, your belief system is ultimately I am loved people in general are good and I can always you know I can always bounce back or I will always be supported if something does go wrong so their outlook of life is a lot more positive so they're a lot more willing to put themselves in vulnerable situations in a relationship because they know that if the relationship breaks down it's not a reflection on them and it doesn't mean that they're damaged or they're not good enough they know that they will be heartbroken but they can pick up the pieces and ultimately the world is a good place and they can move on to the next relationship someone with a commitment phobia doesn't see it that way. They're like, if this breaks down and it's not in my control, if the reason it broke down is because they chose to just completely break it down without me, you know, pulling the trigger or without me setting it up in a way, you know, that's their protective mechanism. They they do all these things to sabotage the relationship. So then if you pull the, the pin, they'll still be like, oh, well, you know, I was kind of in control of that. I kind of pushed them away. So they don't feel rejected. They're like, they kind of had to leave me. Um, and now I'm ready to have them back, so I'm bringing them back in. But the idea for them that they will be a beautiful, kind person, they'll put themselves out there, and then for you to leave them, they couldn't fathom that. It's just too much to handle because it would mean to them you are not good enough, the world is a bad place, um, you can't expect good things from people because you will not be supported. That's their belief. So that's the difference between you know how someone's raised with secure attachment versus all the other attachment styles. It also doesn't mean that they weren't loved, okay? That you could be very, very, very loved as a child and still have this kind of, um, this phobia because you could be raised with love but also with a whole lot of fear as well. Your parents could have been extremely fearful or you could have had another situation in your life irrelevant to your parents that have caused you to be extremely fearful around relationships. Maybe you had a really horrible string of events with friends and relationships at a younger age that's now caused this at an older age, okay? So like I said before, it's definitely just a common theme but not a blanket rule. So don't think, oh, that person's got commitment phobia they must have had a fucked upbringing not necessarily often there's something there but not always so if you are someone that is on the receiving end of this kind of relationship where you're not in control you're now hopefully becoming aware that there's all these more deep-seated underlying issues and it's not to say um oh just excuse their behavior it's fine Instead, it's more trying, I'm trying to give you more control of deciding what to do. Because what is going to be the case if you don't take any action, um, then it's not going to change. This pattern will continue forever. And this pattern will continue even if they eventually marry you and eventually have children. That pattern of back and forth, back and forth, I'm not present. Yes, I am. I'm not present. Yes, I am. You've got the children at home alone crying. You're there and then they're like, bye. And then they come back, oh, I'm here. But that's going to keep happening your whole fucking life. And then 
your children will then model that behavior of that parent that's kind of flaking and returning and flaking and returning. That doesn't change. Don't think that, oh, they've, they've decided to propose. They're cured. No, they're not. No, they are not. Okay. They've, they've not gone to therapy. If They've not been like, hey, I actually have a commitment phobia and I'm going to work on it and we're going to do this together. That's a different story. But for someone that never addresses it, even if they finally propose, even if you get married, even if you have children, I've seen it time and time again where people think a child will change someone. No, it does not. Okay. Uh, you know, the second child will change them. No, if the first child didn't change them, the second child's not going to change them. Okay, that shit doesn't happen. They need to crack it open and they need to be able to work through their shit. If they don't do it, this is going to keep happening again and again and again, no matter what quote unquote milestone you've ticked off with that person. It's it, someone proposing to you is does not mean they're now cured and they're going to finally commit and be the partner I want them to be. It does not mean that. Okay, so... Hopefully, listening to all of this makes you realize my partner needs to actually start to work on themselves for us to move along. There's, there's three options. One, my partner needs to work on, on, on themselves so we can progress. Option number two, I'm going to resign myself to know that this is what I'm in for for the rest of my life and I'm just going to take it which is what a lot of people end up doing without admitting that that's what they're doing. They do that. And then option number three, I'm finally going to leave. Not as a threat, not to get them to work harder because I actually need to tap out and I need to start my life the way I want to start it. And I need to do that with somebody else. It's just not working. It's not a matter of love. Sometimes love isn't enough. And this is one of those cases where it just isn't enough. Love does not conquer all, okay? Um, Unpopular opinion. It does not. Love conquers all in like, no, it just fucking doesn't conquer all. There's a lot more in addition to love that needs to take place for two people to have a successful, happy, healthy, non-toxic relationship. Love is not enough, unfortunately. So ultimately this whole, you know, fear of commitment does come down to a fear, an ingrained fear or some sort of avoidance and they will – also avoid thinking too far into the future about the future of the relationship because they really just don't know what they want. It's not like they've got this secret agenda in the back of their head being like, I actually want this, but I'm just here. No, they don't know what they want. So they're kind of just hoping that you're going to go along for the ride. And in order to keep you at arm's length, but keep you there, they'll often have you as this secondary figure in their life. When they want to draw you back in, they'll put you first, but often they'll have you as a secondary thing so that way they don't get too close and they don't fear that you're then going to fuck them over, right? So they will often put like their own um, friends in front of you, their work, their work events, social situations, and often they might even put their own immediate family before you time and time again. And... That's all well and good at the start of a relationship. But if you're in a committed long-term relationship, they should not be putting their immediate family above you constantly because you're now their new family. You're hypothetically, you're supposedly going to create a family with this person, right? You have to now be a priority for them um, and not below their immediate family. But often you'll see things like, if here are some red flags that you might hear. Um, 
They might say, oh, you know, you can only really trust your own family. This is my family. You can't really trust outsiders, you know, oh, ha, ha. even if they joke about it, that's a red flag. That's a fearful thing of don't trust anybody. So I would be aware of comments like that where you see that they're more than happy to trust their very tight, immediate family and circle and, and put them on this pedestal, which is great. I'm all for fucking loving your family and trusting them. But then if they look at that as the only people that they can trust in life and, oh, I love you, but, you know, you're really like an outsider to us. It's like, no, 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 no. I'm not dating your family. I'm dating you, okay? So I'm not an outsider. We are both entering a brand new relationship. There is no outsiders when it comes to a relationship. So if you're ever made to feel like an outsider, that's a fucking red flag of someone that's got some fear issues going on. They've got some fucking fear pathways firing like crazy if they look at someone who's they are dating and supposedly loving as being an outsider. That's very unhealthy thought to have and that means that they're um, intending on keeping you at arm's length for sure because they're not wanting to bring you in they think that they can't trust you they already have these like perceived um, future ideas of what can manifest in the relationship and they're not good things okay now something that you probably don't want to hear especially if you are on the receiving end of this kind of relationship is that often you'll be in this relationship but the reason you stay is because Obviously, you love them. But then everyone around you, they see what's going on, in particular your family or your best friends, and they'll be like, why are they being like this? This is so ridiculous. Don't you say that that's unfair? Don't you say this? Don't you say that? So you're getting all this confirmation bias that you're the normal one and that person's the one, you know, who's being weird or who's like the outlier or who's, you know, the problem. And, and you know, and you're getting all these people supporting you and all these people being like, oh, that sucks. Oh, this is, you know, it shouldn't be like that. Let's talk to, let's talk to your partner. Let's get your partner's family in to talk to them. Let's do this. So what happens is you then continue on in the relationship being like, okay, I'm the normal one here. I'm the one that's doing everything right and this person needs to step up their game or this person whatever so you kind of have this constant um, confirmation that you're 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 just sitting here doing the right thing and that person will eventually roll around and do what they need to do but you've got to realize that whether it's fair or not a relationship consists of two people okay there can be no outliers in a relationship there's no odd one out there's only two parties involved so to sit there being like you're the weird one it by what standard? You, you, that's not enough for you to be like, they'll roll around eventually and match me. That's not enough when there's only two people involved. You have to take the reins and take some accountability and realize just because I'm normal by my family standards, they have to now level up to me. What if what they're doing is their normal? Okay, so you might be looking at them being like, wow, your behavior is so abnormal, but they're living their life being like, this is my normal. This is how I, you know, perceive a relationship to be. This is my normal. I'm not saying it's fair and I'm not giving them like, oh, just put up with it. Not at all. But you've got to realize that they're not going to turn around just because you and all your family and all your friends think that they're being unfair. They are being unfair, but that's not going to fix the problem. You still have to remove all that white noise from around you and say, at the end of the day, it's just two of us in the relationship. So I need to make some tough decisions here, some tough decisions. The fact that they're the weird one, they're the, that's not enough, okay? Because they're not going to turn around and be like, oh, you know what? You're right. Everyone around me is in a healthy relationship. I'll just snap out of this and just be healthy and, and treat you properly and stop this yo-yo. That's not going to happen. It hasn't happened before. It's not going to happen in the future. You need to have a little bit more power in this situation and you finally need to be the one to decide. Am I going to have the hard conversation and really try and get them to seek help? 
or am I just going to put up with it knowing that I am now making a choice to live this kind of life, to put up with that person's behavior and to stop resenting them because really if I'm resenting them, I'm only hurting myself. So I just have to just accept this as my reality and try and enjoy it as much as possible or I need to leave. But there's only two of you in this in this equation. So to be constantly going back to your family and your friends, they're just winding you up. They're winding you up about stuff that you already know. So there's only so many times that that's going to help. You know, I'm all for a support network. I'm all, and I, I push it as much as possible. I'm always saying you need your support. You need the people there. You need that. But sometimes people get so used to that feeding that, that gap that they have in the relationship where they're struggling in the relationship so they turn to their support network and then they feel that love and connection from their support network so then they're able to stick it out a bit longer in the relationship and then they turn to the support network. You've got to cut that cycle, okay? You, the support's there if you need it. You've got that. But to be constantly going to your support network while not doing anything to change your life situation is, is kind of redundant because it's not getting you anywhere and you'll be doing this in five years' time. I could mark my words. You'll be doing this in five years' time or 10, where you're still going back to your family and friends and they're a great support network, so they're still like, oh, you know, this is ridiculous. Why are they treating you like this? You know the answer now. You've got those three options and you need to make a call. And if you choose to stay with this person and just put up with it, fine, fine. It's no one's business if that's what you choose to do. Like I said, a relationship is two people. If you think, I'm okay with this relationship going back and forth, really intimate, really loving, and then that person just vanishing out of my life and back and forth. That's your decision, okay? That is your decision. But if you're going to make that decision, try somehow to enjoy it because it's not going to change. So be well-educated on your choices because staying in that relationship will ultimately be a choice of yours. And as usual, the answer is communication, at the end of the day, the answer for both people involved is communication. You have to be open and honest. If they're your life partner, you have to have honesty as the foundations of that relationship. No matter how many flaws there are in the relationship, no matter how much work someone needs to be done, the foundations are honesty where you can talk about this stuff with your partner and talk about it openly without judgment, okay? the You know, you have to – you don't – if you're somebody who has a commitment phobia, say you're listening to this and you're like, that's me. I'm the one who's, who's treating my partner like that. You don't have to change for somebody if, if you think it's going to make you lose a part of yourself. It's okay to have barriers to work through them, but you cannot string someone else along on that journey. You cannot string someone else along hoping that you will just miraculously start wanting what they want without doing any of the work. If you don't know what you want for your future, if you're not sure but you're scared to give in and give too much of yourself, don't dangle these carrots in front of your partner because you just don't want to lose them. You can't have it all. It's not fair. It is okay to have problems that you're working through. It is okay to put barriers if you're not ready to drop them. But you can't have it all. You can't be doing that and not doing the work on yourself and then stringing your partner along so they can just come along for the wild ride that is your life, okay? That's not fair. If you want to be with someone because they're a good catch but you're not ready to commit to them, you cannot be dangling marriage or the idea of kids every time you feel that they're about to leave as a hook to get them to stay. You can't do that because you're not – you might have commitment issues but you're not a psychopath, okay? 
You understand right from wrong. You understand fair from unfair. And that is unfair and that needs to stop. So you, as the person who is a commitment phobe, you need to either do the work on yourself properly, start researching, start looking into it, start realizing where these feelings are stemming from, start realizing that you don't actually need to lose any of yourself when you enter a relationship. You can do it quite healthily and you can have quite a loving and committed relationship but if you feel that oh I just I don't want to lose myself so it makes me realize I don't know what I want then that's what's going to be this constant like push and pull because it's like I want my life I want my security I want the control I want you but if I get involved in this relationship too much I lose some of that control so I don't know if I want to do that now or hopefully I'm not fearful of losing control in 10 years or in five years or whatever you know if you just don't know where you're at you have to be straight up with your partner and you need to communicate that and you cannot say oh imagine our children doing this or whatever. these one one-liners are just such great when someone's so in love with you and so desperate for you to commit to them and so desperate for you to give them what they've always wanted which might be marriage or children if you you then know how to how to hook them back in you just throw out these little one-liners it's bait just throw out the bait throw out the bait being like oh imagine our kids you know that they're gonna look like you how beautiful next like throw out this bait oh imagine if we like if when we have kids we do this as a family that one sentence you know is a good enough bait to hold them on for another couple of months it's that intense that this person is so in love with you that they will hold on to crumbs that you feed them for the future and the thing is you probably do love this person most people that are commitment that have a commitment phobia it's not that they're not into that person. They love them, but they're not willing to ever put them first, okay? They're, they're just – it's like I love you very much as my second tier in my life. I adore you, but just, just one step down. That's what it ultimately is. So kind of to wrap up this episode, um, I'm talking to you guys who are on the receiving end of this commitment phobia relationship. You ultimately have to decide what is worth more. If you love this person and now that I've let you know, they're probably not going to change unless they themselves are the driving force behind that change. If you love this person and they're probably not going to change, hypothetically, you then have to decide what do I want more? How bad do I want these things in my life that I really want? Because waiting around for them is a very risky game to be playing. You now know that you have an option of leaving and really going for what you want in life where somebody as a partner, you can build on that together in a different relationship or maybe you value having this current partner in your life more, which is fine. That's fine. Don't let anyone judge you for that. There's no wrong, right or wrong. If you think, not, even if I don't get children, even if I don't get marriage, I'm willing to do that because I want to be with this person then that's a decision that you have made and that is perfectly fine. But you just have to ask yourself, how bad do I want this change? Do I want it bad enough that I'm willing to say goodbye to this relationship so I can have these really important milestones in my life or not? Ask yourself the hard questions because you might just realize that you're not willing to lose them no matter what, even if that means no kids and no marriage. And that is fine. It's, but it's got to be what works for you, not for your family, not for your siblings, not for your friends, not for what people think you should be doing by at a timeline that you should be doing, but for you, okay? 
So if these are the things you truly want in life, how badly do you want it? How badly do you want change? And it might just not be bad enough and you might just want that person bad enough and that's what makes you stay. But it is a choice and it is a decision and an active decision that you have to make. Because when you make that decision, you can then hopefully stop resenting the relationship and the situation and just enjoy it for what it is, which is a bit of a roller coaster ride, but you might also love it as well because you're with the person you love. And that is also fine. But sometimes you're going to, you might even just feel better if you make that decision to stay being like, okay, I'm just, I'm going to let go of all these ideas of what I wanted and this is now my new reality and I'm going to try and enjoy it as much as possible or not. And then do something about it and leave, okay? So that's what I want you to think about. That's what I want you to take home this week and really kind of flesh through everything and realize that unless they intervene, it is not going to change. So basically the whole point of this whole podcast is hope is a weak dog. Don't hope that someone's going to change without actual legitimate intervention from their end. All right, guys, thank you so much. Love you so much. Hopefully you enjoyed that episode. And if you have someone in your life who you think that that they would benefit from listening to maybe Maybe suggest this episode to them um, so they can get maybe some clarity or like flesh out some strong ideas for them to to think about. Um, love you guys so much. Please um, join the Facebook group if you haven't already. There's some great conversations going on there. So it's Do You Fucking Mind with Alexis Fernandez. And I love you all. My beans of life. Keep sharing the podcast. Keep um, sharing it on Instagram as well and tagging me in it. I love seeing that. Um, And I hope you have an amazing week. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll speak to you next week. And remember, be kind to yourselves. Be kind to your brains. Don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from yourself. Danke.